I want to personally invite you to join me and all the other Brock stars for this year's 13th live and in-person plant stock event outside of Asheville, North Carolina in the little town of Black Mountain. It's 1,500 acres is loaded with wildlife, trees, trails, streams. It is a nature wonderland. And what's also a wonderland are all the incredible speakers that you get to hang with all weekend long, like Jane and Ann Esselstyn, Dr. Will Bolshewitz of Fiberfueled, Carly Bodrug, Miss Plant U, Dr. Gemma Newman is over from the UK. We have Dr. Don Musalem from the Mayo Clinic, John Mackey, the ex-CEO of Whole Food Market Stores, myself, Brian Hart, and a special appearance by the Plant Bros. Here's the kicker. All these Brock stars are there from Friday till Sunday, and they want to rub elbows with all of you, whether it's over buffets of Plant Strong Fair for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whether it's going on an afternoon hike, a swim, pickleball, frisbee golf, kickball, cornhole, dancing. We're having live music. It's all there in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call Plant Stock. Simply go to liveplantstrong.com and then click on Plant Stock 2024 and grab yourself a ticket before they sell out. See you there. Welcome to the Plant Strong Podcast. I'm Rip Esselstyn, and I am super pumped that you're here. It is my goal with this show to inspire you and also to provide you with actionable steps that you can take at home to not only eat more plants, but to discover the best you that you can be. And the good news is I know it's in you. Here's an unfortunate truth right now. Type 2 diabetes is a pandemic that claims the lives of millions of people every year. But another truth is that it's preventable and even reversible if you put the right lifestyle habits into play. And contrary to almost everything that you've heard, all forms of this devastating disease can be mitigated and managed with a whole food, plant-based diet. During our recent Heart of a Hero campaign in Pittsburgh, we tested every participant for cholesterol, blood pressure, weight, and blood sugar before and after the event. In fact, one individual had a fasting pre-glucose of 318 at the start, which was evidence of diabetes going completely untreated and unmanaged. In just seven days, this person's post-blood sugar came down to 215 following our seven-day rescue challenge guidelines. It's still a long way to go, but it's one example that demonstrates how the body quickly responds and wants to heal when it's fueled the right way. My guest today is the super sharp, super handsome Robbie Barbero. He's the co-founder of Mastering Diabetes, a comprehensive program developed to help people both understand the science of insulin resistance and take control of their health through a healthy plant-based diet. Together with his partner, Dr. Cyrus Kambata, they have just released their first book called Mastering Diabetes. It's an absolute beauty of a book, highly recommended. Uh, you can go to your local bookstore or Amazon to pick up a copy. And um, I just got done reading it. And these guys have done an amazing job uh, explaining exactly what is going on with every type of diabetes imaginable from type 1, type 2, type 1.5, gestational diabetes, pre-diabetes, you name it, these guys are, are all over it. Fair warning, there is a lot of information in this episode, so you may want to listen twice and take notes. All right, enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Plant Strong Podcast Season 2. As you know, the theme uh, this season is the heart of a hero. 
And so we're, 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 I'm interviewing people who really are changing the game uh, in the, in the plant-based mm. field. And I can think of really no one better than the, uh, the young lad sitting across me right now, Robbie Barbero. Uh, Robbie, I think I've known you, if I'm not mistaken, I'm just gonna throw this out there, like 2011 or 12? It's gonna be somewhere around there, absolutely. And, and that's because you used to work with, uh, with Brian, Yes. With uh, Brian Wendell with Forks Over Knives, you helped really kind of create that, that empire. I'm going to call it an empire. We had a lot of fun. You had a lot of fun. And, uh, and then you kind of set sail on your own with Mastering Diabetes with Cyrus Kambada. Yes, Dr. Yes, Cyrus absolutely. Kambada. We, we saw a need and, and set out to fulfill it. And that was how long ago? Was that three? That was two, 2017 is when right. we officially started Mastering Diabetes. And I left Forks Over Knives in the middle of 2016. And did you, do you feel like you learned um, just a, a ton with what the work you did with Brian and, you know, marketing Forks Over Knives to, that you could then apply with Mastering Diabetes? Absolutely. Um, working at Forks Over Knives, particularly with Brian Wendell, who is just a, a really special person. I always tell people he is Forks Over Knives. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's his uh, brainchild and um, he's just, he's a brilliant guy. His communication to sort of help execute the movie and everything beyond yeah. is, is really special. So definitely getting the opportunity to work with him every single day. We worked really hard uh, tirelessly to, to get that off the ground and to see it continue to succeed in yeah. the way that it has, is, has been really fun. You know, Forks Over Knives has done so much for the movement, yeah. so much for um, so many of the brands within the movement, you know, myself, I mean, without Forks Over Knives, I don't think, you know, Engine 2 and myself, mm would be on the map and it's really spectacular. Real men eat plants. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, yeah, that was, that was my, that was my big line. Yep. Um, so I want to talk to you today, uh, about mastering diabetes, the, but specifically you and Cyrus just wrote a book. Yes. What's the name of it? It's called mastering diabetes. Is there a subtitle? There is a subtitle. It's called, the revolutionary method to reverse insulin resistance permanently in type 1, type 1.5, type 2, prediabetes, and gestational diabetes. That's a, that's a, that's a pretty, uh, pretty strong statement right there. It's a strong statement, and permanently is in italics intentionally because we, we really mean it. And when, when you optimize your lifestyle, when you follow the principles taught in this book, mm -hmm. you maximize your insulin sensitivity, and insulin resistance is a thing of the past. Okay, so you just said a mouthful there. And, and I know for you, because you're in this space, uh, you know, it, it just seems like, you know, brushing your teeth or putting on your seatbelt. But I think for a lot of people out there, it's like, I think we got to break apart that sentence. And, Absolutely. Be, and, be, and before we do, um, I want to, I want to know a little bit more about Robbie. Okay. So in this book, Cyrus is introduced, you're introduced and next to your name, it says the seeker, mm. right? So tell me why, why is your nickname the seeker and let's, let's know a little bit about your journey, uh, and what got you to where you are right now. Yeah. So my journey, particularly with diabetes, it started out with the idea that I'm going to reverse type one diabetes. Okay. So that's where the seeker comes from, but let's take it, let's take it a step back all the way to the beginning. Okay. So what is Wait, so type one diabetes? Why don't we start there? Okay. 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 Yeah. So. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 12, just about to turn 13. So I'm 31 now. By the time people are listening to this, I will have lived with type 1 for 20 years. Okay. Now, type 1 is when your pancreas has been damaged. We don't know exactly how. Yeah. We don't know the cause. But the pancreas has been damaged, and it does not produce sufficient quantities of insulin anymore. And insulin is a hormone that's responsible for taking blood glucose or glucose from your bloodstream into your cells. That's insulin's function. Okay. My pancreas is damaged, doesn't produce insulin any longer. I need to inject insulin to manage my blood glucose levels. That is type one diabetes. So you're injecting insulin that can then escort your sugar into your cells. The food you eat. Yep. And okay. the glucose. That's and I'm going to try and liver. do my best to repeat some of the stuff here. So it sinks in. Please do. Yeah, please do. Yeah. I, I like that. Okay. So now the other most common type of diabetes is type two. So type two, that is when 
a person's actually producing plenty of insulin. Most in the beginning, they're producing too much. Okay, I have excess insulin, but their body's not using it properly. That's type two diabetes. Also, pre-diabetes is a similar situation. So, so when you say their body is not uh, accepting it, so it's rejecting it. That's exactly right. Okay. Okay. They have developed insulin resistance. Okay, and we'll have to. I, we'll I want talk you, about we'll that. talk about that in a sec. Okay. Yep. So then I'm just going to go back to yeah. the title of the book. So yeah. there's also type 1.5 diabetes. What in the world is that? So that is a slow onset version of type 1. So there's still a, a little bit of insulin production, a little bit. So the pancreas isn't completely it's decimated? Exactly. From, of the, uh... And again, this is where we just, scientists don't really know. We don't know exactly what's going on. Why do the type 1s just have their pancreas completely obliterated and produce basically zero insulin? And why do people with type 1.5 have such a slow onset of the condition where they're just, it's kind of slowly, progressively getting worse and worse over time. We don't fully understand it, but right. it's real. And there's a lot of people who are getting misdiagnosed. They, people say they're, you know, doctors will tell them, hey, you're living with type 2, but really they're living with type 1.5 mm. and they don't have enough insulin production. So we help people. And, and do you, is there a certain, like, like it, it, in my experience, it seems like, Type 1 usually happens under the age of 10, usually. I don't know if that's true. So it used to be like that. It used to be called juvenile diabetes. And then type 2 was adult onset diabetes. And now yeah. over 50% of type 1 diagnosis happens in people over the age of 21. Say that one more time. 50% so of type 1. 50% of people diagnosed with type 1 yeah. are older than 21 right now. That's, that's, that's crazy to me. It is. Okay. So, so that's type 1.5 yep. is where your pancreas is producing a little bit, but, but not enough. Exactly. And pre-diabetes, that's you're on your way to type 2 diabetes. And so you have a little bit of the beginnings of insulin resistance exactly going right. on? Exactly. Okay. So, and then the last thing you say is gestational diabetes. Yes, that occurs during pregnancy. So that only happens for females. And it's really, again, another situation of insulin resistance. That's the core thing. There's some hormonal things going on, yep. but insulin resistance is the core problem once again. Okay. Um, so if I was to clump all these together in, under one umbrella called diabetes, yeah. what percent of Americans are currently living with type 1, 1.5, 2, prediabetes, or gestational diabetes? So it's over 110 million, and there's... 80 million who are living with prediabetes but don't know they're living with it. So should we add the 110 and 80? Does that give no, us? No, no, 110 includes the 80. Oh, oh that's okay. 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 <laughs> There's like 26 million with diagnosed diabetes. Okay. So that's, that's a good third of America. Yes. So, exactly right. So to me, your Mastering Diabetes book and programs, you have a large audience. We sure do. <laughs> we have a lot of people to help. Wow. A lot of people to help. Do you want to explain more about your journey and the secret? Yeah, or should I'll, we... I'll explain that. So now okay. that we understand what happened. So I'm 12 years old. I get diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. I actually basically self-diagnosed myself. I have two older brothers, and the middle older brother had type 1 diabetes four years prior to my diagnosis. So I was complaining to my mom for two weeks. I'm like, hey, mom, I think I have diabetes just like Steven. She said, no, 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 don't be silly. You don't have diabetes. So then she goes away for the weekend with my dad. They're looking at homes in Florida, and we're living in Minnesota at the time. And my mom calls to check in and she says, Hey, how you doing? I'm like, mom, I couldn't sleep last night. I was cramping. She said, okay, go upstairs, use your brother's blood glucose meter and test yourself. So I test myself and I'm over 400. You're supposed to be between 80 and 130. So my blood glucose was sky high. And my brother said right then and there, you have type one diabetes, pack your bag. You're going to be in the hospital for a few nights. So we went to the general doctor. They ran some tests. I don't know exactly what they tested, but they said, yeah, you have type one. Then I go to the hospital for a few nights. My parents flew home from Florida. And I remember my dad saying, look, it's just an inconvenience. You can still do whatever you want in life. Don't worry about it. It's just an inconvenience. And that impacted you? Yes. It had a huge impact on me. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like the way my parents parented me through yeah. this yeah. allowed me to not let it take over my life. It was just a thing. You just handle it and everything is okay. And... Right now at 31, would you say that having type 1 diabetes is one of the greatest things that's happened to you in your life? Absolutely. That, I mean, it's, that, that's, that's... it's a huge blessing in disguise, um, and it's given me so much purpose. Uh, I get to help people. It's taught me a lot about my own body, what I get to see every single day, 
with this whole concept of insulin sensitivity, which we're going to talk about, uh, it's really powerful. Now, I will say, it's part of my journey being the seeker, I'm ready to get rid of it. I, I, I've learned the lessons. I'm happy with it. I would like for nobody living with, with type 1 to have to live with it any longer and for people to not continue being diagnosed. I, I would love for that to happen. Um, there, now, to your knowledge, has there ever been a case of a type 1 uh, being reversed? So there are some rare random situations that are not repeatable and are hard to explain. So nothing in research. There's no evidence-based studies showing, hey, if you do X, Y, and Z, this will likely lead to the reversal of type 1, which basically means we're trying to figure out how to get beta cells to work again. So type 1 diabetes is technically classified as an autoimmune condition. So I have antibodies that are said to be attacking the beta cells or insulin, one or the other. So even if I was producing new beta cells right now, I have antibodies that would then kill them. Right. So we don't understand really exactly uh, how to solve this, but that's, that's the situation. Right. So anyways, as a seeker, that is a mission I went out and said, I'm going to be the first one to solve this. Hey, if Roger Bannister could run a four-minute mile and everybody believed that wasn't possible, the yeah. smartest people in the world, smartest scientists said that's not possible. And he did it. And then now other people do it. So yeah, somebody's got to set the trend. That's just the, that's just human yeah, history. Yeah. Somebody, so we're, we're going to figure this out. Somebody's going to figure it out. Well, you know, and I'll just give the example of, you know, look what Dean Ornish and my father were able to do with heart disease. Absolutely. Right. And it was, and it's funny how it was people in the profession, the cardiologists didn't think it was possible. Yeah. And so it took, you know, basically two doctors outside the, uh, the fold to basically show that it was possible. Exactly. I think it's perfect that, that maybe you and Cyrus, are able to figure this thing out. Yeah. Make it happen. Uh, I would love oh to be the people that do that. Huge. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> that sets me on this path of doing anything and everything to optimize my health so my body can create its own new beta cells. That's the mindset. Mindset is this body is this infinite wisdom. There's this amazing healing. You yep. know, when your, your father's reversing heart disease, it's the body that's actually doing all the fixing and the repairing. We're just giving it the right nutrition and lifestyle habits. So I'm like, okay, why can't we do this with type one? Like this, this shouldn't be that hard to just get some new beta cells working again. And that set me on the path of just learning everything and anything I possibly could about getting my body to function at its highest level. Okay. And so, um, so at what point on this journey as a seeker did you discover whole food, plant-based nutrition? So in September of 2006, that's when I heard a podcast by a, a man named Doug Graham yep. talking about eating 80, fruits 10, 10. and vegetables. Okay, So I hear this podcast and he's talking about this book he has coming out. So I learned from the podcast. I start to eat more fruits and vegetables. I'm getting excited about it because prior to that, I was doing a plant-based keto diet and not feeling well. So I, just, I just need to stop you for a second. Yeah. And I want you to remember the, 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 you were doing a keto diet. So you were 16, 15 plus years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And were they even podcasts then? <laughs> yes, there were. So this was, it was uh, Raw Vegan Radio with Steve Prusak. Wow. That was the show. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Wow. I didn't. I thought podcast started in like 2010. Yeah. I think looking back, I'm like, oh, I should have started a podcast then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Okay. So yeah. before that, you were doing keto. Yeah. So before that, I was doing a plant-based keto diet. So I was eating lots of greens, lots of nuts and seeds, lots of oil, and I felt terrible. Okay. I was taking the least amount of insulin I'd ever taken. My blood glucose was pretty solid, but I felt terrible. So I went back to a naturopath and trying to figure out what should I do? Do you have any options for me? She said, oh, maybe do some chelation therapy. Maybe it's heavy metals that are a problem. And I was considering it. This is going to be very expensive. It's going to drive from Gainesville, University of Florida, where I went to school, to Tampa to get this done. And in between that, I heard this podcast with Doug Graham. And he was saying how if you eat well, that actually nutrition can help you rid your body of heavy metals. And that was very intriguing. So he's got this book coming out in December of 2006. So between then, I started eating some more fruits and vegetables and just trying to figure things out. I read the book straight through, and Cyrus is one of the testimonials in the back of the book. So I start Googling his name. This was in 2000. This is in 2000, December 2006 okay. is when the book comes out. Uh, okay. We've been at this for a while, <laughs> both of us combined, me and Cyrus. So he was in the book, 
And I was really, I was definitely inspired by that testimonial. And I go Google his name. I see pictures of him involved with this organization called Organic Athlete. He's doing biking. The dude looks ripped. I'm like, this is cool. Like, I'm going to do this. So I signed up for coaching with Doug Graham. One-on-one coaching. Best decision I ever made. And I learned how to start eating fruits and vegetables from the expert and figuring out how to manage my blood glucose along the way. And when I started, I literally ate just bananas for the first week, Rip. Just bananas. This is Christmas, okay? My grandmother is in town visiting. I come down for Christmas dinner with a pyramid of bananas on a plate. Like five on the bottom, then four, then three. A legit pyramid uh, of peeled bananas. I'm looking at a crate right there. <laughs> <laughs> We're not messing around when it comes to bananas around here. So, um, and I start doing this. And the fact that I'm eating all these carbohydrate-rich foods, foods that you are told to avoid, and seeing my insulin sensitivity soar was mind-boggling. It was fun. It was exciting, but still mind-boggling. And I wanted to learn more, and that's what I kept on doing. And uh, the, at that time, there was good, this good research. Neil Barnard had material out right, there. Right. Like this stuff's been in the literature for a long time. So, okay, a long time. How long is a long time that this stuff Almost has been? Almost 100 years. Goes back to 1926. Doctor Sansom. It's okay. one of the first studies of patients being fed a high carbohydrate diet and seeing their insulin sensitivity improve. All right, I'm impressed. So what was, give me another study sometime between 1924 and uh, 1950. Can you name another one? Okay, how about 1935, Dr. Rabinowich publishes a five-year results of basically 50 patients eating a low carbohydrate diet and 50 patients eating a high carbohydrate diet. And he sees that insulin sensitivity improved. I think it was... Um, it was like 60% or something, whereas in the low carb, it was like 1%. Wow. And how but many? But then in 1955, if yes. you want to give me, give me five more years, okay, I will. We, have, we have Inder <laughs> Singh publishing a paper in The Lancet where he has 80 patients living with diabetes, all using between 20 and 120 units of insulin, feeds them a low-fat diet, 13% of calories coming from fat, and every single one of them saw a reduction in their insulin use. 80% stopped using insulin completely in 18 weeks. 18 weeks. So that's a little over uh, four months. Yeah. Four and a half months. Yeah. That's impressive. So the science supports exactly the, what you're saying. And it has for a long time. On every level. So here's And the th- nothing to the contrary. Yeah. That's the interesting part. So there's some things when it comes to nutrition where you, you, it's admittedly confusing. If you go read the research on fish. You see things on both sides. And even the researchers, they write in the papers, oh, we looked at this paper and that was said this and this paper said that, like admittedly. But when it comes to insulin sensitivity on a low-fat diet, there's not a single study to show that it doesn't work. Everybody who did it, Mm. every study Mm. that truly applied a maximum of 15% of calories coming from fat showed a significant improvement in insulin sensitivity across the board. Yeah, well, that's, that's huge. So let me ask you this. In, in one sentence, what is your prescription to mastering diabetes? And uh, yeah, what is it? In one sentence. One sentence. To eat a low-fat, plant-based, whole food diet with a maximum of 30 grams of fat per day. 30 grams of fat. And how, what percentage is that? 15% so, max. So, okay. So can I repeat that to you? Please. So... Low fat, meaning 15% of your calories coming from fat or less, plant-based, whole food diet. And I, I think we want to dive a little bit into the whole food plant-based. Yes. Um, but what's interesting to me is that, that what you just said there, that completely defies traditional medicine, medicine's wisdom uh, regarding how to treat this because, because their whole thing is a low, low carbohydrate, high fat, right? It's the exact opposite. So it's the exact opposite. Literally. And so, I mean, it's almost like you're telling people, listen, I know that you think that the world is flat. Let's say they're, they're thinking the world's flat. It's actually round. And they're like that. No, they can't be that way. I mean, that's almost like the, the, the battle that you're having to fight. It's exactly the battle we're having to fight. And the confusion is understandable and legitimate. Diabetes is one of the particular diseases where we are self-diagnosing or self-assessing meal by meal with our own instrument. 
you can't figure out, did your heart disease get worse or better meal by meal? There's no test. But when a person living with diabetes eats a bunch of bananas and they test themselves, and they're 200, they're 250, they say, how can you tell me that the bananas are not the problem? They just made my blood glucose sore. What are you talking about? Right. I get where they're coming from. Right. But what they don't understand is the reason their body was not able to metabolize the bananas is because of what they ate prior. Because they're insulin resistant. They have eaten a diet high in fat, particularly saturated fat, that has resulted in the storage of fat in tissues that are not designed to store fat. And that resulted in insulin resistance. So they ate the banana. Their body was not capable of using its own insulin to take the glucose in the banana out of the bloodstream into the cells. Right. They're insulin resistant. But it's not the banana's fault. No, it's not. Um, well, that it's fascinating. Uh, I think it's one of the reasons why you said in that one study in four and a half months, what was it 80% or something 80%. like that? We're able to get off of their... I'm going to get to even better. If you want to go to 1979, American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, James W. Anderson, he had 20 patients. Okay. They were all using insulin. And in just 16 days, he got half of them off of their insulin. In 16 days, of feeding yeah. a high carbohydrate diet. This diet was 9% of the calories coming from fat. It was well over 70% of the calories coming from carbohydrate. It was a high fiber diet. And in 16 days, half of them get off their insulin. The rest of them yeah. also decrease their insulin. And there's a lot of these studies. Yes, there's small numbers of people in many of these studies, you know, when you look at research. But the consistency in those small numbers is a very big deal from study to study to study. I mean, in your work with Mastering Diabetes, because you've got a pretty sensational online program with literally thousands and thousands and thousands of members. Yes. Do you ever encounter somebody that is compliant, they're doing everything right, and they're not getting results? I love this question. So the answer is no, I have yet to see it. I've yet to personally see it with my own eyes. Yep. Now I've talked to some doctors and you know, who have been in this field for a long time, and they always like to say, hey, be careful, Robbie, you know, I have this example, that random example, and one person was low in chromium or something, so the doctor had to fix that, and that solved the problem. Yeah. But I personally have yet to see it, um, particularly in people living with insulin-dependent diabetes, whether that's type 1, type 1.5, or insulin-dependent type 2. Some people have had type 2 diabetes for a long time, and, just and the pancreas is exhausted, and so they may need to inject insulin for the rest of their life because their pancreas has been burnt out. Uh -huh. Okay, so in people who are living with insulin-dependent diabetes, we're all fascinating test subjects. We know exactly how much insulin we injected. We know exactly how much food we ate. We can measure our insulin sensitivity mm -hmm. immediately. And so with people living with that, every single time they will increase their total carbohydrate content and they will use less insulin repeatedly. Never seen it fail. I would love for somebody, listen to, the, to this podcast, send it to a friend, send it to a skeptic, show me the person who can actually prove they truly did it right, right. and they needed more insulin, because it won't happen. And to raise the ante there, Rip, one of the things I'm proud of is that I have documented every single thing I ate for 365 consecutive days. I have a picture of everything that went in my mouth, every blood glucose reading, every insulin inject injection for 365 consecutive days. <laughs> now, I've done that for many more total, yeah. but I, there was a year where I said, I'm going to do it every day. So if anybody's like, hey, no, I don't want to show you pictures of what I eat. Well, no excuses here. Let's see you do it. Post your pictures on Instagram and show me that it doesn't work because well, it's not going to happen. What I love about that, and, and, and it sounds like your program, is that you want people that uh, don't mind being accountable. Yes. Right. And if you're willing to be accountable, if you're willing to work the program, it sounds like the program works yes. just the, about every time. One thing I time. say is as long as you're willing to be vulnerable, yeah. the number one thing, if you come into our coaching program, if there's all I ask for is one thing, communicate with us. Mm. Just having the willingness to write whatever's going on. I don't care how bad you failed. I don't care how far you off the way. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Taking that step to communicate, hey, this is what happened. I'm struggling. Can you help me? That you will, that person will succeed. If a plant-based diet is ideal for humans, and we've learned that dogs are omnivores as well, can't we just share our delicious leftovers to our pets? 
Well, the answer isn't quite that simple and it's probably not the best idea. Dogs actually can't safely eat everything that we eat. Specifically, let's take a look at some green leafies, for example. Kale, it's a superfood for us, but according to Dr. Ernie Ward, who's the veterinary medical officer for Wild Earth Dog Food, it's not such a great idea for our dogs. And the same goes for spinach and cabbage and some other green leafies. But luckily, there are plant-based foods and specifically proteins that are ideal for dogs. And all of them are included in the Wild Earth dog food formula that our dog Jade loves so much and that I'm sure your dog will as well. Visit wildearth.com or Amazon and use the code PLANTSTRONG to save 40% off your first order. So <clears throat> your book is broken down into four components. I, I don't want to talk about all of them. We don't, we don't have time right now. But um, I want to dive into a little bit more specificity. Uh, number one is a low-fat, plant-based, whole food nutrition. That is the first component. Um, and you break foods up into green, yellow, and, and red foods. Yes. Um, what are green foods, what are yellow foods, and what are red foods? Okay. The green light category. These are foods that you can eat when you're hungry until you're satisfied. Okay? I'm not telling people to just stuff themselves and overeat on these foods, but you can basically eat them ad libitum. All right? So. And ad libitum means? As much as you want. As much as you want. All right? So. Is it Latin? And, and <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> these are in a specific order. Okay? A very well thought, intentional order. Number one is fruits. Okay, bananas, pears, mangoes, apples, all fruits. Okay, number two, starchy vegetables, potatoes, yams, butternut squash. Number three, we got beans, peas, and lentils. Okay. Yep. yep. Number four is intact whole grains. Those first four in the green light category are all calorie providing plant foods. So we really want people to learn how to eat in a way that they can sustain. So a lot of people living with diabetes, they're scared of the blood glucose numbers, okay? They're scared in the beginning what's going to happen. And so we actually have two separate meal plans in the book for people who are very insulin resistant, how to sort of mitigate those spikes in the beginning, mm -hmm. okay? There's ways to do that. There's certain strategies. But the point is, I don't want to see people start eating lots of salads, lose weight, you know, see better readings, but then be starving and not be able to maintain it and right. eventually go and have a cheeseburger and then feel better because they finally got the calories they were looking for. Yeah. So we really want to emphasize these calorie dense green light foods as the staple. Okay. This is not a vegetable diet. That's important. So, so, but so the green, they're calorie dense, they're whole plant-based foods, intact grains, yes. potatoes, fruits, um, Vegetables. There are definitely vegetables. So non-starchy vegetables, leafy greens, yep. herbs and spices, and mushrooms. Right. Okay. That rounds out the green light category. Okay. And would it be correct for me to say that all those foods that you just said are have a calorie density of 600 calories per pound or less? It's close to that. We made the cutoff 700. Okay. Chickpeas are kind of like around there. Right. And they're cool with that. Uh, we're, we're cool with that. And... <laughs> um, the chickpeas are happy that we left them in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and really, a lot of that research comes from Barbara Rolls yep. at Penn State. Yep. So it becomes you know, a fuzzy line. You know, where are you going to really draw a line? Chef AJ draws it at 600. Yep. And really, through our coaching program and through personal you know, application, we can tweak it. We'll make adjustments. Right, right. But the general guideline is right around there. Okay. So those green foods, love it. Uh, that's in complete alignment with, you know, what I have in the engine two seven day rescue program. All right. What about the yellow? Okay. Yellow light foods. These are still very healthy, still should be a part of your program, but these are not foods you get to eat ad libitum. You have to be conscious about how much of them you're consuming. Okay. So they're either high in fat or they're a little bit more processed. Those are the two things that will put a food in the okay. yellow light category. And like, give me, give me some examples. So a higher fat plant-based food would be avocado. Yeah. Nuts and seeds, coconut meat, olives. These are very healthy foods. They're whole foods. They're plant-based. They're just not low in fat. 
and it's very easy to eat too many nuts. It's very easy to eat too much avocado, and that will impact right. your insulin sensitivity and your ability to manage your blood glucose levels. Um, what about dried fruit? Dried fruit's going to go in the yellow light category because it's not whole. Right. And it's easy to eat too much. The yeah. calorie density is just way too high. Right. Even dates. Dates, we technically, dates are a whole food, but the calorie density is over 1,000 calories per pound. Yeah. And it's just easy to eat too much. And most people who are going to pick up this book are looking to lose weight. And dates are not going to help you do that. Yeah. Now, there's yeah. other things in the yellow light category which are a little bit more processed. Right. Those are things like brown rice pasta or Ezekiel bread. Okay, again, healthy foods. Yeah can be very great part of a of healthy program, even weight loss. But it's just be aware, be, be conscious of, okay, those foods, they're higher in calorie density, they're a little bit more processed. It's better to eat the original ingredient that that food was made out of. Brown rice is better than brown rice pasta. Yeah. But brown rice pasta is still great. And that's why the yellow light category you know, is, is defined as eat it, just don't go crazy. Right. Um... When was the last time you had a handful of nuts? So I have tried to take Brazil nuts and buy a bunch and put them in my freezer and just eat one a day. I thought, oh, maybe that's a good idea. Yeah. Why not? You know, what the heck? I'm not worried about my selenium consumption, but I thought I'll try it. Rip, I can't do it. I just eat them all. Right. So I don't put, there's no nuts in my house. <laughs> so, so, you just, you, so you just don't do nuts because A, you don't actually need them for any particular reason. Correct. Even the selenium in one Brazil nut. You, you do per, not need per, it. Per Dr. Michael Greger. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So what about uh, what about dried fruit? You do you do like dates or anything like that? Or so pr- I, I do or? use dates to treat low blood glucose readings. Okay. And again, this is where we really get into the specific. I'm glad you're asking these questions because these are really important. And we love this. This is our, really our passion at Mastering Diabetes is coaching yeah. and the specifics for yeah. each individual to achieve their goals. I'm not worried. I'm not need to lose weight. Like I'm at a good weight. I'm happy. I'm very active. Yeah. Me using dates to treat low blood glucose readings is perfect for somebody who's in that position. Yeah. And that's what I use it for. Right. I don't sit down and eat a meal of dates. Okay. Let's move on to red, red light okay. foods. Red light foods are going to be all animal products. Okay. That's going to be beef, chicken, fish, shellfish, all of it. Okay. Then we're also going to put in there really processed foods, obvious things like, you know, a Dunkin' Donut, you know, mm-hmm. very just processed stuff. And that includes some of the new processed vegan items, which again, we're supportive of. They're healthy. They're changing the game. They're bringing a lot of people into this. You're talking but, about like the impossible. Yeah, stuff, and stuff like, like that. that. Yeah. If you're trying to reverse insulin resistance, yeah. if you want to reverse type two diabetes, not you want to, re- it's not a good idea. It's yeah. not a good idea. It could be a good transition item depending on where you're starting at, but long term, we're going to put that in the red light category, which we want you to yeah. either never eat or yeah. really, really minimize. Well, if you, if you look at the nutritional of a beef burger or even an Impossible or Beyond Burger, yeah. you'll see that they're anywhere between 50 to 75% of the calories are coming from fat. Right. And, and, and typically uh, 5 to 10 of those grams of fat are coming from saturated fat, which... Big problem. Big problem if yeah. you're trying to reverse your diabetes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So What's those... up oil in that category? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make it clear. I want your dad to hear that. No. Yeah. So all oils. All oils. Yep. Yep. Okay, so those are the green light, yellow light, and red light foods. Now, I want to continue down this path because, I, I, you know, again, we could, we could, we could talk we, forever. We could talk forever. So, but, so a lot of people are, like, concerned or want to know, well, how much food can I eat? Mm. And you guys have five kind of guidelines, rules in your book. I'm going to name, name them, and then if you could just talk a little bit about them. Please. So number one is you say – don't count calories. Just eat until you're satisfied. I mean, I love that because so many people these days, right? They're they're measuring they're measuring weighing their food. They're counting their points. They're you know looking at portion control, and it's like a scientific experiment. Yeah. yeah. So you say put that, throw that out the window. When you start eating whole foods that are loaded with fiber, loaded with water content, and loaded with nutrients. The nutrient density of those green light foods are through the roof. When you eat those foods and you are predominantly eating from the green light category, your body tells you when you've had enough. Mm -hmm. It's this natural mechanism, the natural feedback of, "I'm, I'm good, I'm satisfied. And you just go on to your day 
And when you're hungry, you eat some more without overthinking it. Yeah. So you have a, you have a calorie density uh, section in your book. And you basically say calorie density can be a lifestyle of abundance. It sure can. Right? That's I mean, the whole point. I mean, you're, you're, you're telling me it doesn't have to be about deprivation. It can be abundance. That's, that's exciting. It, it's really exciting, particularly in the world of diabetes health where people have been told it's all about limiting. Mm. You can't have too many bananas because it's gonna raise your blood glucose level. You can't eat quinoa. It's gonna raise your blood glucose. You can't have too many beans, You know, maybe a cup or here or there. Not on this program. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and the key for people, the key I think for people to know about calorie density and you know, eating until you're like comfortably full yeah. is the magic of the bulk that's yes. in these foods. What comprises bulk? Okay, bulk is fiber plus water. And that's what you get in a whole food. Whole food. Am I going to get that in a date? Yes, you are. It's going to be lower in water content. It's going to be quite high in fiber. Okay. But a little bit lower in that water content, which is a, a, yeah. a big point. But not a raisin. A raisin, exactly. But a grape, you, I'm, I'm good. Yes. Okay. Uh, you have some examples of calorie density. So, and I want to just, because this, this to me is brilliant. The illustrations are great. No, I'm very proud of the way the illustrations turn I love out. this illustration. So you say that three tablespoons of peanut butter is the same as one large baked potato. That's right. Which, you know, I'm like, cool. And then you give... How many grams of water and how many grams of fiber are in each? And that mm. to me is very telling. Yeah. And because you don't have the book in front of yeah, you, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to put you on the spot like that. But you say that there's one gram of water in three tablespoons of peanut butter and 2.5 grams of fiber versus the baked potato mm -hmm. that has 224 grams of water and 6.5 grams of fiber. Yeah. So that illustrates the whole thing about bulk equals... Absolutely. Fiber and water. People will see Cyrus and I eating a meal and be like, wow, that's a lot of food. And I say, no, it's deceptive. It's a lot of water. Right. Right. <laughs> we're, we're eating our water. And it's the purest water you can possibly consume. <sighs> that's a big conversation, big debate. What's the best water to drink? Number one is get it from your food. Wow. Nature has purified that water. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say... Um, in addition to those images of the side-by-side, -side, my favorite illustration in this book is the one that compares a full day of eating versus individual food. So a full day of eating, a ton of food, an apple, a banana, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, huge plates, has 15 grams of total fat for the entire day, which is the number one teaching point that when you eat whole foods, you get fat. There, there's no like added fat there, okay? Right. And then, so, so can I stop you for a yeah. sec? So I think it's important for people to know that this is, I mean, we said in the very beginning, it's 15% of calories or less are coming from yep. fat, but um, it's not a no fat diet because all the fat not. you need is there and it's inherent in the food. It's inherent in the food and we do have an insurance policy just to make sure everybody's covered of having ground chia seeds or flax seeds at breakfast. Mm. And you automatically meet your essential fatty acid needs right then and there. Right. Everything else you get from Whole Foods is a bonus. When you say essential fatty acid needs, what do you mean by that? So that's alpha linoleic acid and linoleic acid. So your omega-3s and omega-6s. Gotcha. That's what you got. You know, you got to have a very small amount yep. that you're required. Yep. And, it's, and they're called essential because what? Your body does not produce them. You okay. need to get them from your food. Okay. I want to move on to, to rule number two here. Yes. Pay attention to total fat consumption. Yes. Um, I feel like we kind of actually just kind of talked did. about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. But anything but you want to add to Just it? to add, to, it's very simple. You use, we teach people in the book that it's smart to use nutrition logging software in the beginning of your journey. Yeah. We don't want, like you said, we don't want people counting things and putting all the time. Like that's ridiculous. You don't want to do that for your life. But in the short term, you learn a lot when you put your food into a nutrition logging mm -hmm. software. Mm -hmm. So I, we use Chronometer. That's what we teach our members to use. It's a really simple, easy to use software. Mm -hmm. And so when you become aware of how much fat you're eating, it's mind blowing. Right. But you gotta, you gotta put in the data to see. Right, so you gotta play, gotta play the game to understand. Yeah. 
and also I would imagine too, if, if you've got diabetes, um, and you want to know how many carbohydrates you're taking in and how much insulin yes. you need to be using, it's important to maybe be logging all that. And so, I mean, you probably still are doing I, that, correct? Well, absolutely. So the mastering diabetes method has four components. The first one is low fat plant-based whole food nutrition. Yep. Number two is intermittent fasting. Yep. Number three is daily movement. And number four is decision trees. So what you're talking about yeah. is what it takes to fill out a decision tree. Mm. And that is absolutely required. It is an absolutely essential part of this mastering diabetes method. Yeah. And you're right, for people using insulin, what happens is they become very insulin sensitive and they start taking too much. The insulin they're injecting is working too well. Mm. They get lots of low blood glucose readings and that's dangerous. By filling out the decision trees, they can prevent that and yeah. understand what adjustments to make based on objective data. This is all about empowering people with diabetes to take full control of their health. You don't need to rely on other people to tell you what to do. You collect the data, the data tells you what to do. Gotcha. Uh, rule number three, remember, all whole food, plant-based um, <clears throat> foods contain carbohydrates, fat, and protein. Yes. So nobody needs to worry about protein deficiency, right? Do nope. not need to worry about protein you don't, deficiency. You don't need to wor worry about like overdosing on carbohydrates, right? No. Have you, have you ever been hospitalized for like overdosing on carbs? <laughs> I have not. So the other day you said you had 700 plus yes. grams of, of carbs. I mean, that's almost 3000 calories. And most importantly is that I injected 26 total units of insulin. Now a normal, what does that mean? Healthy human pancreas is going to use somewhere between like 25 and 50. Okay, that's what a normal, healthy human pancreas is going to secrete. Okay, you're, you're, you're somewhere around there. 25 to 50 over the course of a day. Over the day, okay. yes. So people who are living with type 1 diabetes, again, are great test subjects for this. There will be people who follow a low-carbohydrate diet. They will eat a very low-carbohydrate diet. They will eat 30 total grams of carbohydrate and inject 30 units of insulin. So 30, just, just 30 to just, 30. Was, that's a one-to-one -one ratio. Yes. Whereas yesterday, I was over a 30 to 1 ratio for a 24-hour period. So the magnitude of difference that we are talking about here when it comes to insulin sensitivity is quite extraordinary. And it's mind-blowing because, again, if you're listening to this show, you probably are into plant-based eating. Share it with somebody who's not, okay? Mm -hmm. Share these numbers with somebody who understands, like, wait a minute. Uh, that does, people don't believe me, Rip. I, I post this stuff on Instagram, <laughs> on my Instagram story, and people reply back to me. They say, that doesn't look like 126 grams of carbon. Are you sure you're counting right? Yeah. And I say, yes, I'm using a food scale, and I put things in the chronometer because that's what I do living, a person living with type 1. I am very aware of what I'm eating. Yeah. And people are just, they're floored. Well, I'm looking behind me right now, and I'm looking at this wall of mangoes, persimmons, peaches, uh, oh my God. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, uh, papaya. I mean, it is phenomenal. And I mean, this isn't for a family of eight, right? This is for a family of one, That's namely right. Robbie and, <laughs> and Mr. Barbero, right? That's it. And you're going to go through this in what period of time? Uh, I would say about, uh, a week, week and a half. Wow. But again, it's a lot of water. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful water. Yes. Uh, Okay, so that, that's, that's good. So um, rule number four, treat fruit like it is your best friend, and you are doing that. I absolutely am. And, and again, that runs, I mean, how many, I, we, had a, we had a woman that it was at one of our engine two medical immersions just recently, and she, you know, her doctor had put her on a paleo program. She hadn't had a piece of fruit in over a year, and she was literally frightened of what a fruit would do to her. We've had people come into our coaching program and their first step towards eating more fruit is just holding it. It's like, like one of our clients like, I think my blood glucose went up just holding the apple. <laughs> people are very scared. For, and again, for good reason. I understand where they're coming from. They have all absolutely had the experience of eating fruit and seeing their blood glucose soar. So it's really a lesson in what is the core problem here. And so the reason we teach people to treat fruit like it's your best friend 
is because of the nutrient density, because of the water, because of the fiber, this is actually going to address the root problem, which is insulin resistance. That's the connection across all of these forms of diabetes. That's where we are united in our coaching program, in our community, and everybody we're working with. There's a lot of, you know, in the public, a divide between, you know, the type 1 community and type 2, and people type 1 get upset when people see them and be like, oh, you ate too much sugar. That's why you have type 1. You ate too much cake, you know? Yeah. They're like, no, 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 I didn't. And if I hear somebody say that, I'm like, great, that's awesome. I'm glad you have an awareness that it's diet that is leading to people living with type 2 diabetes because that's true. So I'm grateful for that awareness. But we're bringing this all back to one simple thing. What do you got to do to maximize your insulin sensitivity? What do I have to do to make the insulin that I inject work more efficiently? And what do we got to do for people living with pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes to make their um, endogenous insulin, insulin inside their own body, yep. make that work properly? And fruit is your friend in that game of maximizing insulin sensitivity. Yeah. And, and, and just so we, we're hammering it home for people, the, the reason why they're insulin resistant to begin with is because of all the fat that has been packed away in their cells, yes. right, where it, where it really shouldn't be. That's exactly right. And by eating this way, a whole food, plant-based, low-fat diet, your body is now, and I'll just use this term, you tell me if you think it's fine, metabolizing away the excessive fat that's in those cells. That's exactly right. And now, uh, without the excessive fat in there, your cells are now sensitive. Yes. Not rejecting, but they're sensitive to the, uh, the insulin that's going to escort the sugar in. That's exactly right. Okay. All right. Um, and then the last thing, um, as far as, you know, when people want, want to know how much food can I eat is log your your food, you kind of already addressed yes, this, yes. but um, you know, I think it bears repeating. Yeah, so. and especially because people don't understand how much fat they're eating. It's so hidden. People don't understand how much fat's really in that tablespoon of olive oil. Like, I just right. ate this salad. I thought it was really healthy. I, I'm probably low in fat, but that olive oil just screws it up. Well, okay, but conversely, I think it's important for people to know that they would be blown away when they're eating fruits and vegetables and whole grains and beans, how much fat they're getting. That is a very good point. That right? is an excellent point. So if I look at the, the foods behind you, uh, like mangoes, do you have any idea what percent fat a mango is? I don't know off the top of my head, but if I had to guess, it's going to be somewhere around 5 to 7%. Okay. I would, I, I would guess 7%. And uh, what about a banana? Again, I don't know for sure, okay. but I would. I think it's the average. I think is going to be between five to eight percent okay. or so for fruits. All right. And what about uh, arugula or one of your one of your now, favorite green greens? Leafies? Actually, have a little bit more fat than people would yeah. imagine. Yeah. I think I think lettuce is in the twenty percent range. Um, I have to double check. Yeah. That. My understanding is that green leafies, your your dark green leafies, yeah, are typically somewhere between nine and eleven percent. Okay. Fat. Okay. Super low calorie, yeah, as we right. know. Right, so you don't get a, t a large yeah. total amount yeah. of fat, but but so you're still enough there when you're eating them in large volumes. It matters, right? But so your 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 chronometer, yeah, it, you're putting it all in there, and it lets you know over the course of the day exactly how many grams of fat that you're getting, and sure. typically how many do you get? So yesterday, with uh, you know eating over three thousand calories, over seven hundred grams of carbohydrate, eating no overtly fatty foods, no nuts and seeds, yeah. no avocado. I had 18 grams of total fat. 18 grams. So I'm going to just, so uh, a gram of fat is about 9.5 calories. So I'm going to round that up to 10. Okay. So that's 180 calories out of your, let's just call it 3,000. Sure. So you do the math on that and uh, 10. So that's actually, that's somewhere around 6, 7%. Yeah, I'll give you the exact number. Yesterday was 6%. Yep. It was... Six percent, and what about your protein? What percentage so, of your calories are coming from protein? For me, uh, my protein is actually a little bit lower. Yeah, it's six percent. Six percent. Well, you know what? I mean, according to all these nutritional authorities, your protein consumption should be between five to ten percent, kind of ten percent at the high end. Yeah. yeah. 
So you know what? <laughs> it works. <laughs> it's, 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 it's beautiful. It's, and you're bringing up a great point here, which is the foods just automatically have what you need. Yeah. We don't need to make this too complicated. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's interesting about this experiment that I'm having with you right now is that I want you to know I have never done what you're doing. Wow. I've never like logged my food. I've never figured out how many grams of protein, carbohydrates, fat I get. And um, so I, I find it fascinating. Yeah. And just knowing the way I eat versus how you eat, uh, I know that I'm getting probably twice the amount of fat. I'm probably getting, you know, higher amount of protein in there because I'm eating a lot more beans and yep. stuff like that. But uh, anyway, log your food. Yeah. And to be clear, people following the Mastering Diabetes Method can eat just like you. Yeah. Like this is not like just eat like Robbie or Cyrus right. book. Right. Um, it's very personalized and we are very passionate about that yep. through our coaching program, which is you have to love the food you eat. If you don't love it, if you don't take the time to explore new recipes and try new things and eat new foods and, and figure out what is really enjoyable to your palate, you're not going to stick to it. Yep. And so we really encourage experimentation and, and trying to eat different foods. All right. You and I, we need to sink our teeth into a couple of mangoes as soon as this is over. Okay. Absolutely. I'm like, I'm just, I've been eyeballing these fruits behind you the whole time. And I'm like drooling inside. Um, well, listen, this book, uh, when can I pick up a copy? February 18th. All right. Well, so that was, that was two days ago. You can pick it up right now. Wow. And so it's available. And if I want uh, to know more about Mastering diabetes, uh, you know, everything that you and Cyrus are doing, where can I go? The best place to go is masteringdiabetes.org, and you will see everything you need there to get started. Fantastic. Well, uh, I want to have you back Can't because wait. I feel like all we really spoke about today was the first component of your book, right? <laughs> yes. I'd love to actually come back and talk to you about intermittent fasting and the role that that plays yep. in mastering diabetes. Uh, I'd love to talk to you about daily movement. And, uh, and then maybe we can explore the de decision tree again a little bit more. So with that, Robbie, I want to thank you for letting me come to your home, like where I can see the beach. This is like heaven right here. If I was 31 again, I would want to be right here doing what you're doing, man. What a life. Oh, thank uh, you. You're doing amazing work. Um, you have the heart of a hero. Thank you for the, uh, the difference that you're making in, uh, in making people all over the world healthier. Well, I really appreciate it. And I just want to say thank you for everything you have done to sort of set the stage for people like Cyrus and myself to come in yeah. and participate in this movement. You are a true, true leader. You're just an amazing example of a human being that just cares, mm. just cares about people. And the amount of traveling and lecturing you do, like the sacrifices you've made for family time to get this message out is like not going to notice and is really appreciated. Uh, thank you. Thank you, my plant strong brother. Peace. Engine two, keep it plant strong. In my 10 years of providing plant strong programming, we have always stressed the importance of knowing your numbers because you can't manage what you don't measure. If you attend one of our retreats, biometric screening, is included so we can show you just how effective the lifestyle is even within a week to start healing your body from the inside out. I'm excited to share that we have partnered with the nation's largest direct-to-consumer lab testing company to give you affordable access to hundreds of tests at up to 85% off retail. You'll want to visit plantstrong.com bloodwork to see the tests that we recommend and those that are available to you. You'll have your choice of using either LabCorp or Quest Diagnostics, and you can get your numbers checked today. Again, planstrong.com backslash bloodwork. All right, I hope that you're as inspired as I am after that riveting conversation with Robbie. We are gonna share links to his website and the new book in the show notes. If you're listening on your phone through any of the podcast platforms, simply scroll down in the player to find links to all of today's resources. Next week, what's going on? Well, I'm headed to Cleveland 
and I'm going to jump in the kitchen for some culinary inspiration and general mayhem with my sister Jane and my mom, Ann Kryle Esselstyn. Thank you for listening and subscribing to our show. I want you to know that we read each and every one of your reviews and we appreciate each and every one. If you want to learn more about this season or today's guests and sponsors, please visit plantstrongpodcast.com. The Plant Strong Podcast team includes Scott Battisill, Lori Kordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, Wade Clark, and Carrie Barrett. I want to thank my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. and Ann Kryle Esselstyn for creating a legacy that will be carried on for generations and being willing to go against the current and trudge upstream to the causation. We are all better for it.